Thanks for tuning in to the Ecom Growth Leaders podcast. This show is intended to highlight marketing and conversion techniques taught by today's leaders in the ecom world. I'll be interviewing the top marketers that are influencing the market, making an impact, scaling faster than their competitors, and doing good. I'm your host, Samir Al Kamuni, founder and CEO of Fetch and Funnel, a performance marketing agency specializing in omni-channel media buying, creative production, and conversion optimization. If you enjoy anything from today's episode, I highly recommend checking out fetchfunnel.com and sign up for our email newsletter where I promise to only send you content you can learn from and apply directly into your business to improve results and scale. At the end of each episode, my goal is to have you feeling inspired and fired up by learning from today's top innovators, marketers, and entrepreneurs. Let's dig into another amazing story about a unique brand crushing it and learn from their success and learnings. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to an exciting episode. I am super excited today to feature Gab San Nicola. She is the Strategic Partnerships Manager at Akendo. And what's very interesting about today's episode is some of the stuff you may know, some of it you might not know, some of it you might be doing or should be doing better. Um, And we At this podcast, we try to be very thoughtful about when we bring on solution providers, we want to highlight what you should be doing and why you should be doing it and what the benefits of those are and hoping you get some really good aha and actionable uh, things out of today's episode. But Akendo is one of our partners. It's, it's, It's a product. It's a service that we use on our clients. So very easy for us to recommend and bring onto the podcast, but super excited. Gab, thanks for coming on the podcast. Super excited to chat today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We'd love to just have you kick off and yeah, tell us a little bit about about yourself and Akendo. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm Gab. I have been in the e-commerce world for most the entirety of my professional career. Um, I've worked with agencies, with brands, and now with technology providers. So I'm working with Okendo, which is a customer intelligence solution built specifically for brands. Um, You might be familiar with our product reviews, which is our bread and butter, but we've recently launched a new product called Connect, which allows people to launch microsurveys in the moment and collect zero-party data. Um, So we're really able to help brands collect more information about their customers, their visitors, their followers, and then, you know, be able to create personalized journeys based on that. Love it. And and you've got a really great background. I mean, you've been director of growth at, you know, one of the best marketing agencies out there. You've, you know, you've, you've gone and, and done really other cool things. And then here you are kind of spearheading this partnership role. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, kind of would love to hear just a little bit about like what, you know, what, I guess how you even got into this role. Uh, and, you know, for other marketers out there who are maybe even thinking about making career moves or anything like that, um, you know, and, and, and maybe even what you've enjoyed about it so far, something like that, because uh, I think you've had a really good, a really great career. And so I think that'd be a cool thing to even chat about. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. I I agree. I think it's been a fantastic adventure of a career. Um, You know, I I fell into marketing 
candidly because I thought it would be a really great place to meet people and make new friends, right? There are some really talented people who work in marketing, who work in e-commerce specifically. And I felt like the, the technologies were kind of at the forefront of design. So I fell into business development. I am highly competitive and I was very, very good at what I was doing. So sales was a, a perfect fit for me. And then, you know, pretty quickly into my professional journey, I learned how important referrals and partnerships are. Um, you know, you're, you're really able to collect warm leads and companies that will have like higher lifetime value for your product or your service or your agency, if you're able to generate that recommendation via a warm lead. So I leaned really heavily into partnerships uh, at uh, Hawk Media as well as at Lunar Solar Group. And at Lunar Solar, one of my brands was interested in learning about Okendo and I hadn't really known about the solution, so I hopped on a demo. I took a look at it. And I was like, "Oh, okay, this is this is much better than what I have been recommending." So I ended up shifting my agency recommendations over to Okendo. So whenever somebody was looking for a tech provider in that review space, that was our first go-to. Um, and then when it came time for a career shift, as I was looking to get more onto the tech side than the agency side. It felt like a natural shift for me to move myself over to Okendo as well. Nice. So already recommending the product and then, yeah, <laughs> easy transition there, right? You already know that, uh, yeah, you, you enjoy it and, and it's it's been working. That's so cool. So, I mean, I think we're going to talk about quite a few things and I, it'll be really fun to talk about um, conversion rate optimization techniques and and uh, getting first party data and 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 uh, running surveys and different things like that. But, you know, I'm curious kind of just at a 20,000 foot view and it's certainly on everybody's mind as we're getting into the holidays and things like that. But I'm curious, like, what are some of the bigger growth levers that you would recommend for, for businesses and especially e-com businesses, um, you know, as they're, as they're trying to grow, maybe break through some ceilings, things like that. You know, what have you seen in your career? Um, yeah. That were some of the biggest growth levers that they can pull. Yeah, I mean, there's that's a that's a fantastic question and a very large question and one that I can answer in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, I think the the main success that I see across all of the brands that I've been able to work with is these brands are really able to tap into their communities, communities of engaged purchasers, communities of people who are new to the brand, communicate communities of advocates. Right. So if you're able to tap into those people who love your brand, they're then going to be able to tell other people about your brand and give just that same warm introduction as I would to my partners. Um, you know, you, you might be more likely to come on to test out a product if it comes recommended by somebody that, you know. Um, so I think to be able to lean into those communities is exceptionally powerful um, and there are a lot of ways that you could do that, but brands that I see are some of my favorites are ones that have like really strong retention strategies across email, SMS, um, social media as well. Like being able to acquire a customer is fantastic, but 
being able to retain them and get more money on an ongoing basis is definitely going to be really powerful, especially in such like a strange time of digital advertising. It's it's hard and it's very crowded to get space on someone's phone or on their computer. So to be able to tap into those networks is is really powerful. No, that's a really good point because it's it's easier to generate more revenue from existing clients than acquire a new customer. At least it should be, right? Certainly there's brands that are one-time purchases or things like that. But if you have the ability to do that, that's definitely where you're you know, can be your biggest growth lever. But then I, I love what you're saying about, you know, nurturing those relationships as well, because then all your ad dollars and everything else, your, all your marketing efforts are going to go so much further if you're able to increase lifetime value, if you're able to increase retention. Um, and it's so important to, to do that. Um, I think you probably have some unique ideas of even trying to build stronger relationships with customers and, and things like that. So yeah, what are some tips you you feel like are are good for for yeah people trying to 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 do that, build stronger relationships with their customers? You know, I think SMS is a really fantastic channel to be able to engage with. Um, last week, I was at an event and I was able to hear the team from Feastables speak about their growth strategy. And um, for those of you who don't know, Feastables is an influencer-led better-for-you chocolate brand. Um, And they launched almost exclusively on SMS, and they were able to tap into that highly engaged community of this influencer and put together like limited edition drops, generate hype. But also they use SMS as a conversational channel. You know, they, they'll send memes with no call to action, just something funny, something amusing, something that, you know, is just a conversation starter. And they find that not only people are purchasing from them, they're interacting with the brand. Um, so that's, that SMS is a really, really, really great way to meet people where they are. I mean, if I think about my personal phone hygiene, I don't have any unread text messages in my phone. I read every single thing that is sent to my phone. I hate that unread message. So I will always click in and I exclusively subscribe to brands who I like to interact with on my phone. So that's a great channel to be able to engage with. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's Mr. Beast is one of the best darn marketers out there. So that's a, uh, that's a loaded one right there with Beastables. But I, I still think you're spot on with, right, with, with creating engaging content and trying to get people to open your stuff. Because I think that's where a lot of brands make mistakes in even an email as well, right? Like, I, I mean, I think Huckberry is a great example of like, I open a lot of their emails just because it's like going to be good content and I know I'm going to enjoy it, um, right? And and if you provide value, yeah, or engaging content that I'm going to be interested where if every SMS you send is, oh, here's a, here's a sale or you should go buy or you should go buy, right? People are going to unsubscribe and they're not going to be as interested. But if you... Yeah, if you put engaging content, if you put um, tips or tricks or, you know, 
pro I mean, even other product recommendations is a fun one where like you can, you know, you could still get engaging, uh, engagement and things like that. And you're even just getting people, you know, you're, you're, you're showcasing other products and things like that. And you can do affiliate stuff through them and things like that, but you're still doing recommendations and things like that. Um, you know, and, and feature the product as well. Right. I mean, I, we've got one client who sells, um, makeup for like the 50 plus year old community and beauty products. And like a lot of them just want more educational content, right? They want to know like, okay, like how do I apply this blush correctly or whatever it is. And that educational content goes so far because it literally sells the product <laughs> on its own, but it's this educational content that, uh, people are really interested in, in absorbing and, and reading. Um, which, yeah, love that. And I mean, SM has 80% open rates, 20% click-through rates. Like, how can you compete? <laughs> you can't compete with that anyway. Yeah, else. yeah. And, you know, it, it also totally depends on your demographic, too. Because if you're, if we're talking about this beauty brand that's reaching out to women who are 50 plus, SMS might not be the most ideal channel, but they still exist. My mom texts, my grandmother is on TikTok, um, which she's a little unique. But, um, you know, you, you definitely need to think about where your consumers are and then be able to meet them where they are and then speak to them in a way where they want to be spoken to and educate them in a way where they want to be educated. And then you're likely to get a more reliable customer. I love that. Um, I guess like on those lines, you you feel like you have any tips for maybe some e-commerce businesses and how they can stay relevant uh, as to just trying to follow trends? Ooh, interesting. In terms of marketing trends or in terms of product trends? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, product trends is probably a harder one. And then we're talking about product innovation, but um, you could go down that path. But definitely marketing trends, right? I think there's a, a lot of it's easy to go and copy and it's easy to go and say, okay, it's really doing really well for this brand. And to your point, maybe that is a good angle, but, or, you know, maybe that is a good angle, but then to your point of, of maybe it isn't because you have a different target demographic or, you know, it doesn't work for them. Um, yeah. I mean, any, any thoughts on just like how you, how you try to stay relevant or make sure that you're, you know, trying to almost be a trendsetter instead of instead of following trends. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think the the step one to something like that is to continually ask your customers and your visitors for feedback, right? Put put micro surveys at every point at key points in your buying journey. So not just a post purchase review capture. Um Put a micro survey in your abandoned cart emails and ask people why they didn't make a purchase. Um, you know, perhaps you'll uncover a shipping blocker or a price issue or something that you hadn't necessarily thought about. Um, you know, your your customers are your most reliable source of information for you. So if you're able to continually ask your customers what they want, why they're here, and why they keep coming back, then you'll be able to deliver like an ultimate customer experience through that. Yeah. And, and it gives you a lot of really good opportunities to like even remarket to those, right. To those people. Cause you're, to your point, you're, you're finding out sort of what their, what their, what the problems were, maybe the, why they didn't purchase. I mean, 
we love serving pretty much anyone in every section of the funnel, right? We'll, we'll always focus on that. Abandoned carters, first-time purchasers, the best customers we have that have, you know, purchased 10 plus times, you know, and all of their answers are going to be totally different. And you, you find out so many, yeah, interesting things that, you know, to your point, you can handle those objections if they didn't make a purchase uh, or what went wrong there or get, you know, product feedback or even how they're enjoying it or, or, where are they engaging with your content? What's going on there? Um, I mean, even asking for email replies has been one that like, a lot, I feel like a lot of brands just don't do. Um, you know, just ask someone to reply to the email, like with any questions or, or anything like that. Like I can't stand when I get an email from a brand that literally says no reply. And I'm like, man, you're missing out on a big opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's a there's a double-edged sword personalization, right? You, you you definitely need to do it right, and and with all of this data that you're able to collect, I mean, zero-party data. It's such a buzzword, but it's 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 important. It's important to know who's coming to you and why they're there and why people are leaving. Um, but the data is only as good as you are able to action upon it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're able to take a look at sentiment analysis over time and see, are people liking your brand more or less over time or liking a specific product more or less over time, um, you know, you're really able to then maybe change out your hero product or perhaps in your marketing attribution survey, you're not only asking, how did you hear about us, but how long did you know about us until you made a purchase? So at that point, then you're able to understand what the actual time in that buying journey is. And then you'll be able to kind of work backwards on that. Um, you know, I think digital advertising, I'm sure you could relate, has become a very different animal over the past couple of years with all these privacy changes that have gone on. So, you know, to, to be able to get this information from your customers is fantastic. And then to be able to action upon that can definitely set you apart from other brands who might be a little set in their ways with product innovation or the way that they see themselves. You know, if you have the ability to be a fast mover and make quick changes based on, you know, what these surveys are telling you or what your customers are telling you, you could find really fantastic success. Yeah, it's valid. We I, I've seen that on both sides work and fail so hard. Be, like we had one client that had one product, five or six flavors, never changed it for six years, and just went under. Right, refused to innovate. Right, they had all these people asking for a vegan option. They had all these people asking for an option with less sugar, and all these things. And they just they never innovated. They never changed, and then they just went under because they refused to do it. And they're just trying to sell the same thing over and over and over again. So even their existing customers who are asking for things, they just didn't help. Right, or then. We had another client that actually that makeup uh, client who yeah actually had a, was actually on the podcast look fabulous forever um, they you know they had some packaging things where they had a couple reviews and people were talking about uh, a packaging issue and then they went and fixed it immediately and you know innovated the packaging and then turned those negative reviews into positive reviews which I mean we were talking about that you know before we hit record but. Um, would love to talk about that a little bit because I want to talk about the importance of reviews in a minute. But as you're accumulating those reviews, because you should be getting reviews on your website, but 
as you're accumulating those reviews, we were talking about, and I'd love for you to talk about it, but you know, you don't want to focus only on the four or five stars. Like you want some of those lower (laughs) reviews because it gives you the opportunity to respond and things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, we'd love you to kind of iterate on that a bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's something that I'm asked all the time. Like, should should I publish negative reviews? Should I only publish those five stars? Um, yeah, no, you you definitely should be publishing your negative reviews, and that could actually help to increase your conversions as well. We see that purchase likelihood really peaks when the average star rating of a product is between four point two and four point five stars. Now. You know, the reason being is that negative reviews can have a positive impact because they could help establish like trust and authenticity, right? So if you have a customer who has bought something from your site and they cared enough to go and submit a one, two, three, even a four star review listing out a product or a complaint or something that they had wrong with their order, um, you know, then this gives you an opportunity not only to adjust the situation with this customer and provide a better experience, but if you're able to publish that review and publicly reply to this person, then that shows fantastic customer support that might push over a prospective customer across that line who can then feel confident that this is a brand who will reach back to me if I have a negative experience. And that's really powerful. No, for sure. And and I think it's a really unique opportunity to even like showcase some humility as well. I mean, I've, I've been consulting with the startup right now and, um, you know, she specifically is trying to make her brand appear bigger than it is. And I said that you're, you're, you're losing out on actually one of your biggest strengths, just responding to some of these messages and telling people that you're small, telling people that you're, you know, that you're this small team, but you but that's why you care so much more. And that's why you're going to go above and beyond on the customer service side, but just bear with me, right? Or, Hey, I love your feedback and I want to improve upon this. Like look for our next generation next year, whatever it is, like it, it can be an awesome opportunity for you to, to showcase, you know, what, what makes you unique, but have that high quality customer service. And like, that's what people are looking for at the end of the day. Um, that's what they want, right? They're not, they're not trying, I mean, people buy from people. So if you can add any ounce of humility or anything like that, or, or a brand voice or anything, um, you know, it, it, it works. I feel like it, it works so well. It definitely does. It definitely does. And sometimes it's hard to be like a fully mission driven brand. If you're, you know, that's, that's expensive. That takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. So, you know, maybe that's something that you're looking to get into, but, you know, for the meanwhile, you are where you are right now. So if you're able to play that into a strength, um, you know, I, I definitely love to buy from smaller brands. I would prefer to go onto someone's website and make a purchase, even if I know they're sold on Amazon, because I know what Amazon is like for sellers. Um, (laughs) So, you know, there, there are other people who are like me who, you know, want to be able to support these brands. So if you're honest and if you show up with that kind of authenticity, then that is definitely a, a very powerful thing compared to some other brands who don't have that ability or don't choose to do that. Yeah, no, I, yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, so, I mean, talking about reviews, so if people don't have reviews, 
you know, should they have reviews? We already know that answer, but let's maybe talk about like why people should have reviews and then, and then take it a step further too. Right. So even if you are doing reviews on your website or, or kind of keeping it basic, like what are some of the biggest conversion rate optimization techniques you can apply to your site, utilizing reviews, and then even utilizing those in your marketing efforts as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So reviews are fantastic to be able to provide social proof, right? So not not only are you collecting positive and negatives about the product, but hopefully you're also collecting user-generated content that you can then place across your social media channels, your emails, your website, or what have you. So, you know, reviews don't solely exist on that product page. You can put in your homepage. This brand is trusted by over 5,000 people. We have over 150,000 five-star reviews. That kind of line is very powerful to be able to then give some credibility to the brand. You might be a smaller brand, but people love you. Um, Something like 99.9% of people will take a look at reviews before making a purchase. I'm definitely one of them. Um, But something that I think is really interesting, and I'm, again, a culprit of this, but like more than half of shoppers will read reviews when they're in brick and mortar stores as well. Um, I'm not sure if you found the same, but I find such choice paralysis when I go to Sephora, when I go to Ulta, when I go to Whole Foods. There are so many brands now they're on my screen and they're on the shelf. I have no idea what I need to look at it physically or not. So I will be in Whole Foods and I'll do a quick search and I'll take a look at reviews to understand flavor, uh, taste, consistency, you know, really anything that's relevant for me there. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, there are so many brands who are competing for the same thing. There are so many better for you, insert blank brands here. So, you know, you, you need to have that identifying factor that not only are you a celebrity-led brand or, you know, a mission-driven brand or what have you, but I want to know that you taste good. I want to know that I actually want to spend my money on this. And reviews and that social proof is definitely a really, really powerful way to do so. Um, Yeah, but with that, excuse me, um, we also find reviews to be really helpful for SEO, um, which will naturally help people come to find you. Um, There are some really easy wins to be able to help uh, raise your ROI with paid advertising campaigns as well. And then really just get a clearer idea of who your customer is and what people are saying about your products and then hopefully be able to action on that information. I was a culprit of it yesterday. I was buying a product. They had no reviews on their website at all. So I immediately went to Google. I searched the product name, reviews. They were on Amazon. So then I read some of the reviews on Amazon. And then just like you, I did buy it off of their website, but I had to go there to get the reviews, right? Which is the opposite of what you want. You don't want people leaving your website to go get reviews, right? Because now you could lose them or worse, they, you know, or, or not worse, but you know, if they buy on Amazon, now you're paying Amazon the commission fee. Um, but yeah, I mean, but you're you're absolutely correct as well. I mean, we have one client that it's a very high fashion brand, like, you know, upwards of hundreds of 
if not thousands of dollars for some of their clothing. And they're in some very high-end retailers. And that's where we find a lot of organic traffic is exactly like you said, it's someone in the store and then they search the brand, right? And then they're searching for that outfit and they're trying to see, you know, the reviews, is there other prices, what's going on, right? There's a lot of stuff that's happening there. Um, But you could do some unique stuff even surveying those people even separately, right? And trying to figure out, like, identify what's going on there and uh, how can you convert them and, and different things like that, right? Always always worthwhile asking people how they how they found you. And then you could even follow up a different question based off of how they found you, right? Yeah. Or, or why they purchased or why they didn't, mm-hmm. um, which is super valid. And then, yeah, to your point, using it in any marketing efforts, huge benefit. If you could connect it with Google Ads, you could connect it with other platforms, it's going to make you stand above the rest, right? You're going to, it's going to give you a competitive advantage that um, if your competitors are doing, then you're losing out. And then if they're not doing it, then you could do better than them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I'm curious on maybe like what, what's the, what, what excites you, I guess, the most in the year ahead marketing-wise, either either in the e-com industry and, you know, you know, marketing in general or maybe even at Okendo? Yeah, uh, I, I think there's a lot of exciting innovation happening right now. I'm very, very interested to see how digitally native brands are going to take a look at, like, AR and VR to be able to create, like, um quote unquote, in-person experiences or like virtual experiences. Um, I think that's going to be a really interesting application for a lot of these brands who aren't in brick and mortar or don't have a, a store to be able to come to. Um, and, you know, that's that's a really great way to further that brand voice and brand personality. Um, so I think that's that's something that I'm really curious about. And I've would hope that in the next year or so we'll see some really interesting activations there. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of creativity with all of these brands, right? We've spoken so much about how crowded our phones are and all these spaces are. Um, but I think that's, that's a relatively untraversed uh, area as, as I see it at this point. So I think there's, there's going to be a lot of room for growth at that point. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm looking forward to it as well. It's I'm interested to see how the like segmentation problems will will play out. Just like as there's going to be so many different virtual realities and different things like that. Like, but then marrying to your point, like the virtual with the physical, I think is fun, and that's really interesting to me because I think that could be that could be really cool. Like there could be some really cool, you know, opportunities with that. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it gives a lot of power to brands who are physically nowhere to then be everywhere, right? If, if you exist as like an Instagram filter, or if I'm able to scan something on your packaging and then be able to open some kind of a virtual world or a virtual something, from my phone, that's a really fantastic and unique experience. I mean, talk about setting yourself apart. I only know a couple brands who have QR codes on the back of their packaging or phone numbers, but I definitely think there's a lot of room for growth there. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And it's endless, right? It's like you can do product try-ons, you could find, you know, sizes, there's opportunities, especially for brands that like always complain about the, you know, someone needs to see it or feel it or, you know, experience it, and then they buy, it, it starts to give them that opportunity. You know, you may not be able to feel it, but like, yeah, you might be able to in the not too distant future. Uh, but yeah, it definitely gives you a a very cool opportunity. And to your point, the brands that are innovating off of that stuff. I mean, that was, that's, that was something I think excited me the most of Shopify's this past year's um, their keynote and stuff like that, like where they were talking about some of the brands that have innovated a lot around that stuff and created these unique experiences. And a bunch of them were like not huge brands. We're not talking about like Nike or something like that. Right. We're talking about like some, you know, not, not huge brands, but they, the stuff that they were doing to personalize customer experiences and things like that, just like immediately set them apart from the rest. Um, and I think that's what keeps people coming back for more and gets you a higher conversion rate than anybody else and, and all that kind of stuff, which is super fun. It helps to build that community, right? That's, that's buzzworthy. That's shareable. That's something that I am going to have to call my grandmother and tell her how to use a QR code so she could listen to this, playlist that the brand put together or, you know, find a filter that will help her apply her makeup or what have you. So it's, it's another community building facet as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, any other, any other tips or, or, uh, or pointers or anything that you'd recommend for, you know, you call them founders or marketers out there? Um, well, you know, in, in terms of like easy wins, um, I I would definitely take a look at your Google advertising and and see how you can kind of level up there. Um, if you're able to capture those organic searches, then that's that's really powerful because people are looking for your brand or something similar. Um, so one thing that I've seen to go very well is to be able to add like your star ratings to your product listing ads as well as into your Google rich snippets. You know, consumer behavior says that this user will go towards something that's colorful and arguably shiny. So if you're able to show like your star ratings in Google, that will definitely help with conversions um, and is a pretty simple win there. Love it. Just, just selfish plug, just launched a really great blog article a few days ago on performance max campaigns. So if you're Wondering about those, whether you should run them or not, definitely go to Fetch Funnels, Fetch and Funnel, FetchFunnel.com's blog. Um, you can check that article out because it's certainly a hot topic and whether or not, you know, you should be doing it or not. But to your point, you know, shopping campaigns, search campaigns, you should be utilizing reviews for sure because it, it will help you stand out, um, you know. And, and I think a lot of brands ignore it when they, for different reasons, but I see it time and time again when they're, you know, either smaller or they feel like they have this very unique product and they don't need it. Um, but it's just like, people are going to look for it. And then the problem is you don't want them, you know, if you've got one or two bad people, you know, reviews on YouTube or something like that, you don't want them searching it someplace else and then finding those. Or, you know, when was the last time you checked what people are talking about you on Reddit? <laughs> you don't want them finding that, <laughs> going down that deep, dark hole. And so, you know, it, it allows you to, almost control it in a way 
But to your earlier point, like have those negative reviews on there, use those as opportunities to improve your customer service or respond to people. Or, you know, we found really tactical ways to turn some of the negative reviews into like the best reviews because, you know, you can use them as, as selling points by responding to them and, and handling objections or, or even just thanking somebody and offering that good customer service. So yeah, I, uh, I appreciate that sentiment. <laughs> no, no, of course. I mean, we even have a couple of brands who will take their one-star reviews and then repurpose them into ad creative. We have a, a, a knife brand that in their ad creative, they have a one-star review that says something like, um, you guys need better warnings on your boxes. I opened this and I cut my hand. Well, to me, that would make me stop scrolling. I don't need anything new in my kitchen, but if this knife is so sharp that this person opened it and immediately bled, I need that, right? So <laughs> it, that's a fun way to further your brand personality, to you know, kind of play into that content that you're getting. And then you're showing a really interesting customer experience, but that's one that might be attractive to people who are just amused by that content. Yep. Love it. Yeah. I, I love, I love turning stuff on people. I mean, you want a good example, just go to Wendy's Twitter account. It's probably one of the best prime examples out there of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big fan of Wendy's and uh, Mooncakes and all of those like favorite brands from a while ago. Uh, yeah. Fantastic social presences because they're fun and they don't take it seriously. And that's, you know, to your point earlier, people buy from people. So show that humanity and I'm sure that will go a really long way. Yeah. And you, and you can still be an elevated brand. I think we, we bump into that a lot where like a lot of clients don't want to show the, you know, silly sides, probably not the right way to word it, but they don't, you know, they, they don't want to, you know, they won't want to lean into it on their ads or they don't want to lean into that with, um, you know, with, with, yeah, like, you know, how to market and things like that. Cause they want to keep, you know, this elevated um, you know, style or format of their brand. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for that, but you could, you could still do it really well. I mean, we had Raindrop, we had the founder of Raindrop on the podcast just super recently. If you listen to that, that's a great episode on the, talking about the creative side of things. But like, you know, one of the brands we talked about with like laundry sauce, it's like, it's, it's exactly that. It's like a premium laundry detergent, like the most expensive one. The brand has to be elevated. They're like, we are cologne for your clothes, but their marketing is so, you know, engaging and creative and fun, you know, that it's still this super elevated brand, but like, you know, they, they can still lean into like having that fun content and that fun ads and, and utilizing that to your advantage. So yeah, don't, don't shy away from that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're a higher uh, price point object or something that requires some education, um, you know, show people how to use the product, who is using this product because people are going to look at that review and they're going to say, okay, do these reviewers look like me? Do they shop like me? Do they, work out like me. And then from those pieces of information, then they'll be able to make an informed purchase. So if you want to be able to catch people who might not necessarily otherwise convert, be able to show that user-generated content and be able to show those highlights and your products and those review attributes just to understand why this product is so unique and why you should spend your money on it, especially for a first-time purchaser. Yeah. And it, 
and it might and, you know and and incentivize people to leave your reviews because it it might sound obvious and maybe you're already doing it. A lot of people I bet listening know they should be doing it, might not be doing it, <laughs> but like send you know send someone an email a couple of weeks after they receive the product or even a couple of days after they receive the product, like ask them for a review, you know, and, and ask for the opportunity, like to make it better. Like if you're like, Hey, you're going to, if you're going to give me a four plus stars, like, please do. If you're going to give me less, please still go for it, but also feel free to reply to this email and tell me how we can improve our product or service or whatever it is, um, you know, and rectify the situation. But if you are going to, you know, and, and then you can give people percentages off or, you know, or really cool, you know, just upsell opportunities <laughs> to leave you a review. And if they're leaving you a positive review, you know, ask them for some UGC, ask them for a photo or, you know, a quick video. And again, incentivize them even further if you want. Um, but yeah, don't be afraid to to do that, right? And even if you're like, I, I'm a one-time product and I don't, no one's ever going to buy anything from me again. Like, give me a $20 Amazon gift card. Who cares? Like, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, do something to to get those reviews up because it is it is important, right? And it 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 can be one of your, your the easiest conversion uh, tactics to to implement. Yeah, yeah, and you might be only a one-time purchase for an individual, but that individual has many other people in their life that they would likely need to gift for or, you know, purchase for. Um, so there's, there's no such thing as like a one and done. That customer has already given you their money and they liked you enough to do that. So capitalize on that. Um, you can tier or your incentives. So if somebody gives a text review, you get 5% off. Somebody connects their social and leaves a video, they might get 30% off or, you know, a gift with their next purchase or something similar. So, you know, those tiered incentives will also allow for people to, again, meet you where they are, give you whatever information they want to give you, and then you'll be able to take that kind of action accordingly. Love it. Great advice. Um Cam, I really appreciate the time. Uh, anything in closing, anything you've been reading lately that you'd recommend? Ooh, what am I reading? I I am actually reading Effortless by Greg McKeown. McKeown? McKeown? Forgive me if he's listening or if somebody knows how to pronounce that better. Somebody send me an audio message. I apologize for that. Um, but it's, it's very interesting. It's basically talking about like the way in which you could structure your work and your life and in a way to create your actions so that they are somewhat effortless, right. To be able to get into flow and do what you need to get done. So that way you have time rather than, you know, trying to compartmentalize or whatnot. It's, it's just been a very interesting, um, reshift and perspective. Good one. We all need that. So yeah, I appreciate that. Again, Gab, thanks so much for the time. It was awesome having you on the podcast. Thanks for all the tips that you've shared. Uh, encourage anybody to check out Akendo. It's it's uh, akendo.io. Um, yeah. Thanks so much, Gab. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Samir, thank you for having me on. Samir El Kamuni here. Thank you so much for listening to Ecom Growth Leaders podcast. If you are a successful brand that is crushing it and would like to be on this program, 
please visit go.ecomgrowthleaders.com slash podcast dash guest. If you got something out of this interview, please share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on social. Ecom Growth Leaders is sponsored by Fetch and Funnel, a performance marketing agency specializing in omni-channel media buying, creative production, and conversion optimization. We've partnered with 100 plus brands and generated over 500 million for clients using our trademarked Fetch and Funnel method. We have tons of content over our, at our blog, fetchfunnel.com slash blog, and also some amazing eBooks like How to Crush Your Competitors and How to Produce High Converting Creative. Thanks again for listening to Ecom Growth Leaders. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and it means a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, fetchfunnel.com, or follow us on social. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.